I wanted to spend uh, these next weeks talking about abiding in Easter, and our theme continues the, the mission that we have in abiding. And we have concluded uh, 40 days, but we really continue to abide. And in John chapter 11, it really begins to help us understand, and it asks a very important question. John chapter 11 has so much in it, I I fear we can't do it complete justice because of just the, the, the amount of information. But there's a key question in there that Jesus asked Martha, one of the sisters, one of his close friends. And he asked the question, do you believe? And I believe that question is valid because it was spoken to someone who knew Jesus well. And I believe it's a question not only for those who don't know the Lord, but also for some of us who call ourselves believers. I believe it's a valid question, and it's being asked, do you believe? And we're going to look at what Jesus is addressing. In verse 1, it tells us a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. And so the two sisters, <clears throat> that's, again, Martha and Mary, sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. <clears throat> when Jesus heard about it, Lazarus' sickness, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now, by inference, that's a qualifier. Because if you were uncertain, it was very clear by what Jesus is saying. <clears throat> because in the Greek there, as it says, very sick, that's talking about a sickness that everyone understood would lead to death. And so Jesus qualifies it and says, and what he's really saying, although we don't know it at this moment, he's going to die, but I'm going to resurrect him. I'm going to raise him from the dead. But that's not understood. But so we know that this is a pretty serious thing going on. And it, he goes on, and Jesus said, No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days, and finally he said to the disciples, Let's go back to Judea. There's a lot of information contained in here. I believe that there's a, a theme that is spoken throughout, and it jumps out at even the meaning of the name Lazarus. Because what we're going to learn as we, and as, as you would further study John chapter 11, you would discover that there's a message here, God is my help. When we find ourselves in the most difficult times, when we even feel as if life around us is dying, we might even feel like we're dead in some things in our life. Lazarus reminds us God is our help. Because the very meaning of his name is God is my help. <clears throat> we see that Jesus delays his return by at least, you know, four days. Now, if you look at the scriptures carefully, you discover that when Jesus finally received the message from the messenger, Lazarus was dead. <clears throat> I mean, if you will, the idea of rushing back was unnecessary because 
you figure by the time that the messenger was dispatched from Bethany and he traveled the distance, which would have been 20 miles, by the time he got there and said, hey, there's a problem here, let's go back, Lazarus was already gone. He had passed away. There's lots of speculation as, well, why did he wait? I mean, certainly he could have been, and we'll see in a few moments, they even, those around him would have asked the question, where was he? Why didn't he do something? Because he's done so much healing, and the word was out there at this point in John chapter 11. Here was a, here was a man who, this was an amazing rabbi, maybe possibly the Messiah, and they weren't sure yet. But man, there were miracles happening all around. Where was he for his closest friend? Why couldn't he? And there was almost a sarcasm, sarcastic kind of language going on at this point. But I believe that Jesus was quite intentional in delaying because I want you to know God does nothing by accident. Can you say into that? And the idea of waiting four days has a lot behind it. I think the simple, obvious, really understanding of it is he was waiting to make sure there was no question Lazarus was dead. There was a belief at this time that your soul hung out for about three days. And you were not considered dead, dead until the fourth day. So by Jesus coming and showing up on the fourth day, the message was, Lazarus is dead, dead. If there was any idea or truth to the fact, and I want you to know there isn't, the soul does not hang around for three days. Can you say amen to that? Some of you are hoping that would be truth in that, but there's not. When you're dead and you breathe your last breath, you will breathe the very next breath. And there will be one of two places you will breathe that next breath in. It will be in heaven. Can you say amen to that? Or it will be in hell. Not so good. And so there's that instant from this life to the next. But because of that understanding... I believe Jesus delayed. But I think a greater message is being communicated to you and I. There's always hope that even though it looks like everything is dead here, even though everyone around would have thought there is no chance at all that anything could happen, Jesus comes along and brings hope and brings life and brings resurrection. See, sometimes we have this mistaken notion that we think we know when the end is. I want you to know I'm more in interested in when Jesus tells me there's an end. Not when you tell me there's an end. Because I know there have been times when I thought that dream was gone, that vision was dead, that situation was not going to see life. And yet, God still brings life. And there are times when we would say, well, I'll keep going till I breathe my last breath in this thing. Well, you might have breathed your last breath. You still have four days left. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> it goes on in verse 8, and his disciples objected, Rabbi, they said only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you and, and you're going there again? The implication was, are you crazy? <laughs> you're going into harm's way? I mean, this is not a good idea. Jesus replied, now look at his reply. I love, I love how he responds to this. Well, there are 12 hours of daylight every day and during the day people can walk safely. 
they can see because they have light of this world. But at night there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. <laughs> I mean, talk about a weird answer. I mean, the question is, I mean, they're saying, you're going to go there again? I mean, this is a dangerous place. Are you crazy to go into harm's way? You would think Jesus would say something like, don't worry about it, guys. I got this thing covered. We're going to be fine. Just, just get behind me, and you know what? I'll protect you. But instead, he has this crazy answer. He says, well, there's 12 hours of daylight every day. It almost sounds like a politician talking. <laughs> During the day, people can walk safely. I mean, what in the world is he saying right there? He's actually being really clear, and he's trying to create really a word picture at this point. He's declaring something that it's important that I go because we need to get this right before the day becomes night. In other words, while I'm here, I am the light of the world. And there isn't a day to waste for me to hang back for any reason because there are people who need to hear and see the light of the world. He's communicating that we must not waste our day. And every day that God gives us is a valuable day. It was understood at the time when he spoke this that, you know, your day was sunrise to sunset. And there were basically 12 hours. And Jesus is saying, I've got 12 hours. And I'm going to use them to the best of my ability, if you will. And God speaks to you and I and says, use every day to the best of your ability. I mean, haven't you ever had a day where you end it and you go, what a waste? Matter of fact, I was, Lois and I were talking about our day and it seemed like it just slipped through our fingers, and we were saying, wow, what happened to this day? We got hardly anything done we wanted to get done. And yet, we looked back and we thought, what a great day. God used us and interrupted us all day. Thank you, Jesus. And there'll be Saturday to get what we didn't get done on Friday. Praise God. But there's an approach that God calls us to understand because how many of us waste our days? How many of us do not take full advantage of the daylight and what God has given us? He goes on and declares in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. Let me be clear is what Jesus is saying. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you'll really believe. I mean, he speaks to their doubt. He speaks to their hesitancy. I believe he speaks to us. I've had too many conversations with too many people who declare themselves as believers, but behind that declaration is doubt. Behind that statement is uncertainty. There are many of us, even here today, you are still living life as a believer with hesitation. And I can hear Jesus saying, well, let me do this for you so you'll really believe. That's kind of what's happening here. So come, let's go. Of course, you've got to love the disciples. Thomas, nicknamed the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, and we'll die with Jesus. This is the guy who wasn't there present at the resurrection, and Jesus shows up and 
has unbelievable doubt, but he'll go here and die for Jesus. Yet with all that uncertainty, I mean, how crazy is that? So Jesus arrived at Bethany and he told that Lazarus had already been dead and he was in the grave for four days. And Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary at their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, he went to meet him. Mary stayed in the house. Kind of sounds, I mean, I just love these two women. I mean, they're very consistent in how they live life and what's going on. There's a lot of important information there, but you just can see the difference between... I, I was just thinking about Mary and Martha and how often one's at the feet and the other one's in Jesus' face. <laughs> Let me encourage you, being at the feet of Jesus is much better. In case I'm into that. <laughs> but there's something really different about them, and we don't have time to go into that, but Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that the Lord will give you whatever you ask. Okay, great statement, right? So, Lord tells her, your brother will rise again. And I hope you can hear the sarcasm I want to put in what Martha said. Yes, Martha said, I know he'll rise when everyone else rises at the last day, just like we've been taught since we've been kids. We know everyone's going to rise at some point in time. Thank you very much, Rabbi. How easy it is for you and I to not hear God when he speaks to us. How easy it is that we misunderstand what God speaks into our lives. Because he was declaring something, your brother will rise again. If Martha was really listening and not so distracted by everything else, I believe she might have said something like, what do you mean by that? He'll rise again? Could you clarify that for me, Rabbi? Instead, she does what we do. She assumed that she knew the answer and really wasn't listening to what Jesus was saying. I believe there's a problem in the church today that we really don't listen to what Jesus is speaking to our lives. And we just figure we know it. And then we cut, cut it off. Because what Jesus was declaring, I'm going to raise him from the dead. I am not giving you a Sunday school answer here. I am not declaring something that you think you know. Jesus told her, in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And he's coming back at Martha like he would come to us and say, okay, do you really believe this? Are you under And when he says that, he's clarifying and saying, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you getting this? And here is my concern for us as a people of God. Are we getting it? Are we really, truly getting it into our heart and into our soul that Jesus declares, I am the resurrection? Listen, if you really believe in me and have received me, then your life is going to be so absolutely different. And you won't be able to live the same. You won't be able to keep doing what you've been doing. Sin all of a sudden will become a horror to you. And all of a sudden there will be that deep sense of grief when you aren't living right. 
Because you understand, I have come to bring life, new life, that you know that there's hope again. And what happened yesterday is dead. But what I'm going to do today is bring life. Because he says, I am the life. I've come not only to bring you eternal life. Man, how, how awesome is that? That you and I will live forever. Don't forget. Don't let a day go by that you don't remind yourself that you are going to die, but yet you will live. The church doesn't live that way. We've lost that edge and that understanding of realizing it doesn't matter what happens because should I die, yet I will live. Because when I breathe that last breath, my next breath is in heaven. When I die, rejoice. Because I'm going to be in heaven hanging out waiting for you. Feeling bad for you because you're still here. But we don't live that way. Much of the church doesn't live. We live more to the fact of, wow, i got to have today. It's all about right now. I need my pleasure. I need my comfort. And Jesus declaring something, do you understand how to really live life? And he is dealing with Martha right now, but he deals with us and declares, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, if you've received me, if you are truly a believer in Jesus, then you will live now and forever. And to prove what I'm talking about, I'm about to do a miracle for you. Because I want you to get this. That's how much Jesus loves us. He does miracles. He doesn't do them to entertain you. He does them because he wants you to know how much he loves you. You know how much God loves you? I don't think we really do sometimes. I don't think I do. It's so easy to get in the middle of life and forget what God did for us and how much he loves us. I see that love in verse 33. I see how much God loves me. Because Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her and a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. I like that. I like the fact that there was a little anger and a, and a sense of troubledness in him. Now don't misunderstand what's going on. We'll talk about that. He, he says, so where have you put him, he asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And as he's walking, Jesus wept. All right, we all know that. The shortest verse in Scripture. Jesus wept. Why? I mean, the people standing around him, they saw him weeping and said, wow, look how much he loved him. And then there was that sarcastic comment. Yeah, he loved him, all right. Isn't this the guy who healed the blind man but couldn't help his best friend Lazarus from dying? Wow, he really loved him. You hear the sarcasm in that? Like, wow. Why is Jesus crying? Why is he weeping? Why are there tears? Why is there anger mixed in with that? I'm convinced that he was angry at Satan. I believe he was angry at the world that had captured his creation and that they were trapped and inflicted by pain and sin. And he looked around and he saw death and mourning 
and he wept because he saw humanity in its sin, in its, in its disengagement, in its lack of relationship, in not having real faith, not understanding hope, not living the life that he had created them for. And he looked around and saw that, and he weeped for all of us. He cried for today and for tomorrow and what was happening right then and there. He cried because we weren't getting it. We weren't getting the fact that he declared to Martha and to us, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So start living that way. Do you believe? Do you live that way? Do you wake up each morning declaring he is the resurrection and the life in your day, in your moment, in your circumstance, in whatever it is that you face? Let me tell you, it is a fact. Jesus is alive. He died over 2,000 years ago. He went to the cross, and he died. And he went and conquered hell and death. And when he arose, he was alive, and he presented himself to over 500 people. It's amazing, over the time of his resurrection... He appeared to so many different people. Peter wrote about this in his letter to the church. He said, listen, we're not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when, we received, when he received honor and glory from God the Father. They're saying, we were there when we died. We were there when he arose. We were there when he ascended. We were there when he did miracles. We are a witness and a testimony. Listen, this, we're not trying to fake you out here. This is not a myth. This is not a nice story. This is not a clever idea. This is not some phil, phil, philosophy. This is reality. He is real. He is the resurrection and the life. And the church needs to start living that way. And I'm here to tell you, we're not. Not like we could. Because if we were, things would be very different than they are today. You know that. You can think of all the things we're not doing that we could be doing. All the things that you could be doing, living and thinking and feeling and reacting and responding so differently if you truly believed in the resurrection and the life who is Jesus. These men, their lives were changed because of what they saw and what they knew. We think about it, Jesus died. And when you read about the disciples, they were miserable. I mean, they were defeated. They were like, Wow, wasn't that fun? Three years of excitement and now it's all gone. What happened? I mean, they, it was like they were on this amazing journey and it all got cut short. I mean, they didn't understand it. But then Jesus appeared to them. Thomas, yeah, go ahead and stick your finger in the hole of my hand. Go ahead and put it in my side. It's really me. I'm alive. I am the resurrection and the life. And then they believed, and their whole life changed. I mean, you read about them, 
And they went out in such a powerful way. Let me tell you, if this was a myth, it would not have lasted. Remember when Peter was dragged before the Sanhedrin and they were really angry at him for talking about Jesus and they were going to kill him or and they were, they were going to do bad things. And the head rabbi said, wait, time out, guys. We've been through this before. This has happened lots. There have been lots of guys who've, who've claimed this whole idea of resurrection and life and all this stuff. You know what? Let me tell you, we don't have to beat this guy up. We don't really need to kill him. Because if this is of God, it'll last. And if it isn't of God, which I think it isn't, it'll die out in, a, in just in a short time. And here we are over 2,000 years later. It has not died out. Because Jesus is alive. Every one of those men were tortured and killed except for one. And yet, not once did they renounce, not once did they back down, not once did they stop believing who Jesus really was. Jesus made it absolutely clear, I am not a way, a truth, and a life. I am in fact the way, the truth, and the life. And you need to believe and receive. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Well, yes, Lord. Of course I do. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Did she really? Verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. Now look what Martha says. The dead man's sister. She protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. And the smell is unbelievable. Are you crazy to roll the stone away? Yes, Lord, I believe you're the resurrection of life. All right, here I am, the resurrection of life. Roll the stone. Well, okay, God, really. I mean, I know you said that, but I'm not really sure that's what you meant. And, you know, I'm not sure this is what we ought to do. Do you, do you see the, the hesitation there? At this moment, this would have been the time for Martha to not say anything. We have a lot of Marthas around us. We tend to overthink things. We get to a place that we say something, but we don't really live it. So Jesus responds, didn't I just tell you <laughs> the resurrection and the life? Well, he says it differently, that you would see God's glory if you believe. See, he's bringing it out. You just said you believe. Well, if you believe, man, be quiet. <laughs> Case him into that. <laughs> and so they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of those people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. 
including Martha. <laughs> and Jesus, he declared, he shouted, he made sure everyone around heard, Lazarus, come out! Now, there was a moment there. It must have taken him a couple seconds. I wish I was there. I can see Martha going. And then, because, see, the way they did things is, you know, it was a cave and there were shelves. So there was, this was like a family plot. So Lazarus would have had to kind of, you know, pivot his body a little bit, slide off, because he had had about 100 pounds of, of ointment and cloth on him. So this guy was carrying a lot of weight right then. And so he would have had slid off, and, and he was kind of bound. So, I mean, he wasn't like walking out. He probably was kind of scooting out. And so it took him a couple seconds, and I could, I could imagine the dead quiet as they heard the noise of the dirt with his feet scooting out, and all of a sudden he comes because the entrance was, was probably shorter than he was, and he probably had to kind of bend and come back up and stand there. And because he was so wrapped up, he couldn't say anything. Kind of like you have a gag in your mouth, because that's how they, they covered people with, at this time. And that's why Jesus said, it says, look it, the dead men came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And everyone's just kind of looking at him. You know how a deer is caught in the headlight going, and Jesus said, would you go, go and wrap the guy already? I mean, there he is. He's alive. And I'm convinced that when he appeared, they were waiting for it to stink really bad. I believe he appeared and there was a fragrance that was so sweet. It was so unbelievable. Because when God brings life, it smells good. I know at that moment when they approached him because of the power of smell, Lazarus smelled good because he was alive. I want you and I as we prepare to gather around the table to hear what the Lord calls out in your life. Roll back that stone. Because there's something that's blocking you right now from having life. I want you to identify what is it that's in the entrance of your heart that God needs to just, we need to roll it back. Because inside your heart is something that is stinky and it's dead. And it needs, you need God to declare, come out! And hear God unwrap, declare, let's unwrap this thing. Because I want to bring life. You know, there's, there's such an opportunity of ministry for you to get this. Do you believe? Do you really believe what God can do? Do you really believe in what Jesus can do in your life? Are you going to live that he truly is the resurrection and the life or are you still wondering? I hear the Spirit of God calling us to live differently. 
I hear the Spirit of God calling you to let Him roll the stone. I hear the Spirit of God calling you to let Him bring life where there's death. And I hear the Spirit of God calling you to live differently. And some of you who have lived and declared yourself a believer in Jesus, I challenge you. Do you really believe? Do you believe He is the resurrection and the life? As we pray, as the worship team in a moment is going to come up here, I want you to prepare to receive the bread of life and the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word that I pray would now settle deep into our soul. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to hear from the Holy Spirit that speaks to us right now through the word of God. I pray, Lord God, that some of us today in the face of the question, do I believe? Would come to the right answer. And I pray for a miracle that every one of us in this room would be believers. True, genuine, spirit-filled believers. God, help us. I pray for some of us that have just, we've gotten away from it. Lord God. Oh, Lord God. Help us. I pray for life. Life to take place in the midst of receiving communion. I pray, Lord God, that this is definitely not going to be a ceremony, but a life-giving moment for every one of us. As we hand out the bread of life, hold it. It'll be followed by the cup. Hold it. We're going to receive this together. We're going to let God minister to us together. But as we start with worship and we allow God to speak to us, please listen to what God says. And don't be a Martha. Just listen to what God says. let the piano play quietly for a few more moments I want to invite you to keep listening and in the quiet with just the piano just kind of just hovering over us the music just hanging out there listen to what the spirit of God says to you
in Matthew 26. They were eating and Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many with a remission of sins. There's not going to be an altar call. We are all at the altar of God. And you, every one of us, you have a decision to make. You need to answer the question, do you believe? And if you do, you really do, then just affirm that right now. And just be thankful that it's clear. But if you saw yourself in Martha, then you need to decide to really believe. God's doing a lot in this place today. And he's not done. You might have thought that it was dead, but it's not. There's hope. God brings you to that place of decision right now. Do you believe? Just bow your heads for a moment. For many of us, we just affirm the truth. I want you to do something for me. If you're affirming right now the truth, that you know you believe, I want you to raise your hand right now. imagine most of us would lift our hands right now and you would say, I'm affirming before the heaven of all creation right now. I'm a believer in Jesus and I affirm the truth of this, that I know he is my resurrection and life. And you raise your hand and declare yourself right now. Praise God. Go and put your hands down. But if you didn't raise your hand, if you didn't put your hand up, perhaps you need to respond and receive Jesus for real. Before we receive the bread of life, I invite you who didn't raise their hand say to Jesus, yes. God, forgive me. But I really haven't seen you as my resurrection in life. But I do now. Today is my day that I'm really believing. I'm really receiving. I invite you to 
invite you to raise your hand. Raise your hand right now and declare yourself and say, I am going to receive what God has. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed this moment of privacy. This is between me as the pastor and a couple people right now. Raise your hand. Lord, thank you that this moment, life takes place. Lord, honesty, genuineness. And Lord, we thank you that for... Lord, the hands raised, that there is a clear declaration. I receive you, Jesus, as my resurrection and life. I receive you as my Savior, as my Lord. And this moment changes everything. And we hold in our hand the reminder of life that we all can receive together the bread of life. And Lord, we thank you for what this means and what we're reminded of. And so together we receive this in Jesus' name. And this cup, we thank you because we're reminded what you did for us, that you are life and resurrection. And you died for us. You sacrificed your life for us. And this cup, this cup represents hope, real hope. And so together we receive this understanding, the hope that we have in you, Lord. And thank you. Let's receive together, church.